Welcome, folks, to Brand of Man Ministries, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ, not through the agencies of man, but by the grace of God alone. Well, folks, today we embark on our final episode of season one, Open Your Bible, where we will examine the biblical principle of the glory of God. Now, the term glory of God or glory of the Lord is often and casually tossed around these days without knowing how it is used in the Bible. So the English word for glory comes from the Latin word gloria, a translation from the Greek word doxa and the Hebrew word kavod. Now, the Hebrew word kavod indicates a, a visible display of power and greatness. And when you combine that with the name of God, Yahweh, you have a visual and majestic display of his presence. A good characterization of this is found in the Psalms. It says the heavens tell of the glory of God, the kavod of God, and their expanse declares the work of his hand. Psalms 19, verse 1. Just look outside on a clear night. You'll see the psalmist inspiration in writing that. Now, the Greek word for glory is doxa. Uh, this Greek word has a much broader application. It includes the character and work of God and praise for how God manifests himself in creation. So it's a, it's an active word. And it could manifest himself any way. It doesn't matter how it manifests. It is glorious. Now, this word emphasizes that God's power does not come from a source outside of himself. It's one of those points that this expounds on. God is the beginning and the end of his glory. In other words, the glory of God is greater than the natural world. It is supernatural. Now, this glory of God in creation specifically declares to man, you have no reason to deny his presence. That's the declaration from his glory. From the Apostle Paul, he says, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Romans 1, verse 20. So believers, due to this understanding of God's glory, live out their lives in the glory of God's will and fully expect to enter that glory at the moment of death. Again, from the psalmist, you will guide me with your plan and afterward receive me to glory. Psalm 73, verse 24. Now we can see God's glory manifest through human flesh in Jesus Christ. The glorification of Christ comes specifically from the Father and is also to the benefit of his disciples. The Apostle Paul emphasized this. He said, for those who he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, 
so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Romans 8, verses 29 through 30. Now, the casualness of perspective that we often see in addressing God's glory is quite frankly a product of our own condition. Again, the Apostle Paul spoke of this condition in Romans. He stated this. He said, humanity essentially, their greatest inclination is to revere the creation instead of the creator. Now, if we were to expound a bit more on what Paul was saying, we could say that humans tend to view an item from which the glory of God flows and proclaim the item as the source of glory instead of God. The item becomes the source of power and majesty instead of God. Folks, Christian worship, sole focus should be on the glory of God. It is not that Christians don't praise and worship the grace and power of God in all his glory. We just don't do it enough. We don't glorify God enough. Being exposed to the glory of God, which is a daily event, it's not a casual experience. We really must be on our faces before God's glory. And again, this is a daily occurrence. And the only thing we should be looking at is to ourselves if we have any criticism. We should be humbled by the fact that we exist at all. Now, by the grace of God, his free gift that he expects nothing in return, through the work of his son, Jesus Christ, we can approach the throne of God boldly. We can approach the glory of the God boldly. But that doesn't permit us to do so in arrogance. From the Apostle John, he said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. That's John chapter 4, verse 24. The Apostle Paul encouraged the church in Rome to worship in a similar way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Well, what does that mean? What is an acceptable way to worship God in all his glory? Well, let's look at another biblical example, at the sacrifice given before, before the throne of God, before the glory of God, by two brothers, Cain and Abel, as depicted in Genesis 4. Abel's sacrifice was accepted by God. It was acceptable, while Cain's was not. What does that teach us? Well, first off, it teaches us that God does not deem all worship acceptable. I hear a lot of pearl clutching out there. Not all worship is acceptable to God. That's evident with Cain and Abel. We are to worship, as John describes, in spirit and truth. Abel's sacrifice was in both spirit and truth. 
It was in spirit because he offered it in faith. And it was true to the glory of God. His faith was directed to the majestic power and essence of God. While Cain's sacrifice was offered in pride to the glory of Cain. Our praise, folks, our praise for God's glory must be done in spirit and in truth. We may be overflowing, overflowing with passion in our worship of God, but it is false if there's no truth behind our zeal. The glory is to God alone, never to us and never to anything else. We are to emphasize the weight of his holiness, the enormity of it in our worship. So I ask you, brothers and sisters in Christ, is the weight of your worship of the glory of God heavy, filled with the substance of biblical truths, or is it light and shallow and empty of the glory of God? Do you stand before the glory of God as Cain or Abel? Thank you for listening. I pray that you have enjoyed and found these episodes profitable in your walk with Christ. I also pray that the Lord bless you and keep you. And I pray that the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And I pray that the Lord look upon you and give you peace. Well, this concludes season one of Open Your Bible. We hope that you will join us for season two as we begin to teach through the documents of Holy Scripture, beginning with the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians. God bless you all, and remember, the Bible cannot mean today what it did not mean then, especially to the glory of God.